Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Loopy Lou, Lidl's award-winning baby range. Stay tuned for your exclusive offer from Lidl. Flynn and you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. This podcast series features real parents talking about the beautiful but often hard work of raising children today. And joining me in studio today is a wonderful panel, uh, Mum of Four, Laura Doyle, who runs Love, Life and Little Ones blog. Check it out. It's amazing. And Tracy Quinn, who runs the Love of Living blog, which is also amazing. And she is a mum of one and also expecting, hopefully not imminently, no. very soon her <laughs> second little bundle of joy. Um, today's podcast is a very special one as our friends at Little have given us some special offers to share with all of our listen- listeners. So stay tuned to find out more about that. Now, ladies, today we're talking about a very pertinent topic, particularly for you, Tracy, which is birth plans. Um, I'm a massive birth plan fan um, as both a midwife and a mother myself. The reason being I prefer to call them birth preferences, but I think they are a really good idea. So it's basically the idea that before you have um, a baby that you kind of sit down with yourself and your partner or your whoever is going to help you and kind of run through your preferences, things that you would like to happen or not like to happen. And also if circumstances were to change what you would do in those circumstances. And I just think it's a really good idea because I think people a lot of the time feel very disempowered and it's a way of kind of them feeling a bit more in control. And I know, Tracy, that obviously you're hopefully going to have your little person very soon. Is is birth planning something that you've thought about or what do you think of them? Um, a bit like yourself, I probably am not mad about the word birth plan because for me, a plan is something that can fail. And I think if like, you know, change is a trigger for you with anxiety or stress, um, the idea of something like being planned and carefully, you know, thought about and falling through is potentially going to make a stressful situation more stressful. I love the idea of birth preferences. And weirdly enough, I would have went into my first birth completely blind. Um, I would have loved to use the term birth plan. I would have loved the lingo. I wouldn't have really had much thought behind it. Um, This time around, I'm definitely finding the thinking process and just speaking to midwives about it really, really like healing for my last birth and also empowering, hopefully ahead of this birth, because... Like you said, people are very quick to say to you, but you know, you can't plan birth and you know, it's um, unpredictable. And like, we know that, that that's obvious. That's I mean, a given. I, I know that maybe mm-hmm. it's not obvious to everybody, but I know that it's completely the unknown. But that doesn't mean that it's not OK to just want things to go a certain way. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not accepting that they won't. And in fact, I'm thinking in my head, they probably won't. But I think it's okay to say out loud, I would be really happy and I would really prefer if things were to go a little bit more like this. Um, Because last time they went a little bit more like that. And actually, would it have made a difference if I had have maybe spoken up a little bit about that specific thing? Or Or, or had the knowledge to know what to say or the questions to ask. That's it, exactly. Yeah, so I think um, for me, it's definitely a really positive way of becoming empowered about the birth without becoming um, obsessive about the finer details. Absolutely. And Laura, I mean, you've had your four little people. So two births were with pain relief, two were without. But I know they were all very different experiences for you. How do you feel about birth plans? Did you have a birth plan or birth preferences for them? Or how did you get on with that? No, I actually didn't have a birth plan on any of the four. And looking back now, I wish that I did. Um, 
I kind of, I just thought, oh, I'll just take it as it goes and I'll just listen to my body at the time and I'll just decide as it comes. Totally forgetting that in the throes of labour, you're not in a calm or logical state. So you can't kind of go, oh yeah, I would prefer that. Like you're just, you're in the throes of labour and you you haven't got and that way of your thinking. your partner mightn't be away, aware of, exactly. you know, if you can't say for yourself, they can't even advocate yes. for you. Mm-hmm. So I wish that I did have a birth plan. As you said, Tracy, just to have a few little bits down as what I would like to happen. Not what I need to happen, but just, and just that my husband would know which kind of way I wanted to go before I was in the throes of labour. But I think it's really important, as you said, Tracy, to not have a structured birth plan. Because with that, if it doesn't go to plan, it's a sense of failure for a mum. You know, if, mm-hmm. if they it's have... It's another stick in to, for which we can beat ourselves with, Definitely. you know, that we didn't, yeah. we didn't get our plan right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the totally wrong way. And I think if you just change... The, even the tone by saying birth preferences yes. I think it makes it a lot more approachable for everyone Definitely. I mean one of the things I certainly like from a professional point of view I loved that people had thought about what they wanted or, or not wanted because always um, in all the places that I would have worked it would something that we would have brought up in an antenatal setting but also everyone then would be aware of the things that people would have preferred or not preferred and it was at the front of everyone's mm. chart it had been agreed and also people were aware things that were possible or not like for example if you'd like to have a, a water birth there's only one pool in one hospital in Dublin yeah. in which you can have that mm-hmm. and a lot of people aren't aware of that mm. so you can plan that all you like but if on the day the pool isn't available you need to have backups and I think that that's what's really, really yeah. important yeah. for that. And even actually consent, because for Absolutely. me, if I hadn't have actually spoken about that preference, wouldn't have had I wouldn't be allowed. I'm not saying I will get to use it, but I had to give consent X amount of days before so that if I'm able to use it, if it's available, if it all works out beautifully, um, I'm actually you know legally allowed to use it. Whereas if I didn't raise that, it wouldn't be possible. I could be available, sitting there completely vacant and they'd say, sorry, we didn't get your name on that Um so even like just from a, a logical perspective and just... And that's, and that's a very interesting thing. Like the whole thing of consent, I often think to ask somebody what they want or not want, like you said, Laura, in labour, yes. when you're in pain, yes. stressed, it's not, appropriate. Yes. It's not the best yeah. time to be making really important decisions about your health yeah. and well-being. No, and know? for me, I had two babies with an epidural and two without. So for me, the epidural, just for my body, slowed everything down. So I preferred... Maybe not at the time, but looking back, I preferred the two without an epidural. Because things happen very so fast. For, yeah. So I would have liked to put in a birth plan. If I'm screaming for an epidural, tell me when I'm going to be at 10 centimetres because then I can do it, you know. But when I'm in the middle of labour, I might go like, I want an epidural. When actually now in a calm state, I don't because it's going to go really quickly. So if if that was in my birth plan and my partner or um, a midwife could say, look, you're at eight centimetres, I'd go, OK, great, don't, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Yeah, or so now's the time. Or yeah. if she says, look, you're only at four, it's going really slow, I'd go, OK, I do need it. You know, so you can have that kind of um, thought process done before you're in labour. And actually what you said was a really good point about like it's almost more relevant to your birth partner than it is to the hospital because like that I would just expect my husband to just know how I want things to go, what I need him when to do. Don't. I mean, he's not don't. watching all the exactly. videos. He's not reading all the books. Um, we're not. I mean, he's very much supporting me, but it's very hard to communicate something that you sort of just feel that you want. Yeah. Um, and I think by teasing out those birth preferences, you're kind of also saying this is what I need from you because the amount of people that said to me, "Do you know what? 
when I was screaming for the epidural, as as you just said, that the coke keeps coming up. Um, I wish my husband had said, why don't we just give it a half an hour? Yes. And yeah. at the time, I would have wanted to break his nose. Looking back now, I wish he had said that to me because I just needed a little nudge in that direction. Um, and actually things were going really fast or whatever. So the amount of times that's come up that I'm actually thinking, God, it's more of a, a dialogue between you and the person that's going to be supporting you. And that's not just the midwife or the doctor or the other way around you know the way sometimes if 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 it does get into a stressful situation and you may need some help and you're kind of thinking no no I don't want help and you might just need a calm voice which is your birthing Mm -hmm. partner to say look this is what's best for baby this is what's best for you and it'll calm you right down you know because you can get a little bit hysterical in the middle of labour absolutely I think I asked my husband to kill me at one point (laughs) oh no yeah definitely just kill me please (laughs) I changed my mind I said I really don't like this (laughs) the midwife was like mum I had a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still say when I got my epidural, it was literally one of the best moments of my I life. I wanted to kiss the face <laughs> off. See, in e- in e- the we pronounce that. Dip. He was the most beautiful human I'd ever seen. <laughs> I used to always say that in work, like they need to just have a really nice job because when they come in, it's just like, oh, they're the beacon here. of hope. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think there's, there's a big perception and I think, I suppose... Both of you as people who are, you know, hugely strong feminist birth advocates and and women advocates and in your blogging life, that there's a perception of the perfect birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there is the Pinterest um, printable birth plans Mm -hmm. that are, I think, so far removed. I think it puts a pressure on people that if you don't, for example, have a pain, you know, if Mm -hmm. if you actually have pain relief, that you're somehow not having, you know, as strong as somebody that goes without. Mm-hmm. Or if you have an elective section, which is also a birth preference yeah. and should totally be respected, yeah. that there's somehow not... The you're somehow less of a mum. What do you think mm-hmm. about that, Laura? I think that it's absolute nonsense. And I think that we need to get rid of this myth of the perfect birth, in inverted commas. Um, I think delivering a baby safely into this world is a perfect birth. And how that happens really is a lot down to chance, um, a lot down to preferences if you want it. But delivering a baby is hard work. So how any mum does it is amazing. And I think that this Pinterest idea of a perfect birth is just, it, it needs to stop. You know, I've had four babies, all totally different births. Um, me doing the exact same thing, but they were all born differently. And I think there's there's a plethora of factors that come into account when when you're having a baby. Absolutely. And with the best plans in the world, it still may end up a different way. And also, I think the the problem with birth, I don't mean to be negative, but one of the problems that can happen with birth plans is they don't really allow for the postnatal phase. So, okay, if you're so focused on the birth, are you missing out on a really important critical factor, which is how you're going to feel afterwards? Mm, Absolutely. So, okay, you're a warrior, you did it, you you did it without the epidural, you ticked all your boxes, but like, (laughs) yeah, I, for me, it's gas. I, this pregnancy this time round has been so focused on the postnatal phase because it scared the living daylights out of me the last time. I thought because you're pregnant, Billy, that was what actually hit you like a ton of bricks. It was like you have you you know you're pregnant and you give birth, and I didn't really see anything after that. Whereas that was where the real you know struggle started for me. It was you know the episiotomy gone wrong and the stitches and the problems and back in A and E and being on um, antibiotics and not being able to sit down and actually feeling incapable of caring for my baby. Mm-hmm. I actually probably cared more about how the birth was going to go than how I was going to cope with the aftermath. And I think that really shapes your perception second time around. It's like, OK, I need to just be able to be a good mother. And that's whatever that means for you mentally and physically, um, as Laura said. And how you need to get there. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I mean, if, if for you, 
that an elective section is something that you want. I hate when I hear people's kind of eyebrows raise when they hear women, because if we're actually really for women's choice, then that should be an absolute choice. Yeah. Um, if you understand the risks and benefits and it's the right thing for you. And some of them should, are the most gentle, gorgeous, calm births you, I've ever heard that's of. that's the right thing for you. That and might be, kind yeah. of nobody's business what yeah. your particular preferences are. Exactly. If, you, if you understand risks and benefits and you're happy with that, then that's kind of your choice. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, and I think that's one of the things that we forget, that choice should be even things that you don't personally agree with, that that should still be allowed to be a choice for other people. But it's, it's none about of your business. It's none of yeah. your business. And it's about being aware of the risks and benefits and also being allowed to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, you know, a lot of the thing with birth trauma is about that the preferences being removed. Yeah. So um, what do you think about that, Laurie? But- Totally agree. And actually, I was going to say, I hate when people say that having a section is the easy way out. I just hate to hear that because having two, my last two babies flew out, no stitches, nothing. And I would say that that was really easy. So having a birth also with an episiotomy, I know what that feels like. So I can't even imagine what a section is like, you know, so I hate to hear when people say, oh, it's the easy way out if someone plans a section. It's absolutely not. Yeah, I have to say that actually makes my skin In crawl. your opinion. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. Try having one and then yeah. you can, you can say, what, I mean, it's very important to state as well that the section rate in Ireland is, depending on the hospital, anything from about 35 up to about 50%. Mm. So even if your birth preferences or birth plan, you'd really like vaginal delivery, there's actually a very good chance that that mightn't happen for you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that people think about that because that does, as you said, Tracy, change the, the aftermath. Yeah, definitely. But I never heard really too much talk about birth plans when I had my four babies. It wasn't really kind of ever really talked about with me um, and I would love to see it kind of explored a lot more. Oh, um, I totally agree. I mean, I think it should be, you know, one of the first things that said. Me but too. again, like all things in maternity services, it totally gets who you get on a particular day. The protocols, that there is no standardisation of antenatal care or protocols across the country. Right. Um, you have the same amount of visits, but with whom the visits are with. That's what I was going to say. I, I don't mean to be like, um, I don't mean to be derogatory because all doctors and midwives do an amazing job but I do find the midwives are more pro um, we are it's birth we're, preferences we're, than the be, consultants midwives means with women but part of it is that you're an advocate for normal birth yeah. um, and that's not to put pressure on people mm-hmm. but that's what we're the experts in yeah. a huge part of that is taking care, a holistic view so part of the holistic view of midwifery care is that you look after exactly what might happen what will happen and to talk about it with, with the women isn't it amazing though from the, from the woman's perspective how you feel that because just for me for a gynecological issue I have an ovarian cyst I was um, consultant led this time around until two weeks ago when I kept asking and asking and asking they were like do you know what we'll forget about the cyst till after the birth and I've had my last appointment with it with a midwife but I felt very um, resentful of the fact that I was missing that with woman touch and mm. it is what it is I just felt that um, the emotional holistic element wasn't there and these doctors I met were wonderful people amazing at their job and um, actually seemed to have great friendships with the midwives but when I walked into the midwives room it, it, it just felt for me emotionally different because they're the people I associate with holding my hand when I gave birth with actually being there and being the emotional support so it's it's just interesting I wonder like you know do other people kind of resent that as well? That's a really interesting point. That's the end of part one, but don't go anywhere because in part two, we'll be discussing expectations versus reality of your birth plan and how to cope when things don't go according to that plan. 
Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Loopy Lou, Lidl's award-winning baby range. This week, Lidl are giving Motherboard listeners an exclusive offer for 20% off their award-winning 100% organic Loopy Lou baby food and snacks range. All you have to do is visit familyfriendlyhq.ie forward slash Lidl to redeem your coupon. This offer is limited, so redeem yours before they run out. T's and C's apply. Welcome back to part two of the Motherboard podcast. Laura, sometimes your expectations of how birth is going to go doesn't line up with reality. Would you agree with this? Totally. And I think, um, like I was pregnant on my first at 21 and I remember saying to people, what's it actually going to feel like? And everybody's saying, oh, it's fine. You'll be totally fine. And then I went into labour and I was like, I am not fine. (laughs) This is not fine. And I swore after that I would tell every single woman how sore it really was. Um, so I think I think that we do have a different expectation. Now, then the other way is that I did, as Tracy's just said, I did hear a lot of the horror stories and, and certainly having the rest of my kids, I heard all of the bad things that happened to people. And see, I think we're fed a particular narrative from the get go. So every Hollywood movie, every TV programme, the waters go generally when they're in a supermarket mm. or on the side of the pavement. <laughs> holding bags. Holding of bags of shopping. Um, and then, a, you know, cut to screaming and roaring and baby being born. They're always lying. Spotless. They're always, but they're always lying on their back. Yes. They're, they're never ambulating around. They're never moving around. They're never in a squatting or all fours position. So people have a like a really particular yeah. image that mm-hmm. we're fed yes. constantly when that is actually so far removed yes. from most people's mm-hmm. experience or hopefully should be. And I think that can be quite negative. Do you agree, Tracy, if you're fed a particular, like, for example, you're pregnant and I'm sure I, it drives me mental, but people like to say they're bad stories. So, oh, they do. well, I was in labour for nine days. <laughs> um, and th- I think that's really, really bad. I hate when people tell their yeah, bad stories. Yeah, it's a bit like you kind of want to say, look, I know that stuff. I, I know that they're, they're, that those stories are mm. out there, but give me something positive to cling on to here because I think like the pain, um, the discomfort, I mean, that's a given. We, we, we know that. But it's also a little bit uh, deflating because it doesn't give you any opportunity to focus on anything that might empower you, um, even just to make rational decisions before the birth or to be in a better headspace. And I think if you're in any way prone to uh, mental health issues or anxiety Mm -hmm. or, you know, like a change or for me, it's that foreboding feeling of lack of control. It It really, really does. And at the same time, I'm listening to Laura and I'm saying it's also a bit irresponsible to not tell people that yeah. you love because I remember saying to my mom, mom someone said to me um like it's like a really really bad period pain and she was like yeah like like really bad <laughs> like a really but really rem- bad one I, but- I knew what she was saying it's 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 not quite where but you're remember, thinking. remember, everyone's perception is slightly different. And so perception what, of pain as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. Like for me, I have to say I was much more concerned about what I was going to do afterwards. Yeah. I actually having helped hundreds of people give birth and having witnessed everything and having witnessed lots of things go wrong, but having witnessed so many things go right so many times, I had zero fear about giving birth. That's so interesting. I had an innate trust that I was, I could do this, that I would be fine. And actually, I I really, I did not like being pregnant. I loved giving birth. Wow. I thought from an interesting, it was Mm -hmm. like doing my ultimate school project. It was like, this is great now. (laughs) You were your own topic. Exactly. (laughs) And like I insisted that 
there was a mirror so I wanted to be able to see me oh, giving wow. birth That's and I wanted, amazing. it was really I just found it like fascinating and I have to say wouldn't want to be pregnant again but I would give birth like every day of the week I that's thought it was so great. interesting but that's one thing um, that I always kind of repeated to myself you know at the end when you start getting a little bit nervous and thinking about the birth is that our bodies are designed to do this so way back when when there was no kind of medical intervention or or no plans or no yes. didn't have a clue mm-hmm. women give birth all over the world in in forests and in tribes and and your body knows what to do so i think listening to your gut even with all the plans in the world and your birth plan you know what to do. Your baby knows what to do. And just to keep reminding yourself of that. And and if something happens and the baby ends up in a different position than is is optimal and, and there's a little bit of intervention, that's OK. You know, that's but your body can do this and you can do this. And and women were designed to do this. You I know? think even in terms of like not having a huge amount of control over what's happening with your body physically because that's a good point actually at the last second a baby can change position yeah, and absolutely. you know your blood pressure can dictate an intervention for example but actually one thing what, what which I have found really really helpful is I feel the one thing I can control is my mind Yes, and that while I might be able to not predict the sequence of events I can actually hopefully control how I respond to them and I know I can only help myself by being calm so that's the thing I'm clinging on to you know it could be a section but also Tracy I mean you've done a good bit of work and I think that's the the one thing as a midwife that I always try and impress on people that practice makes perfect so if you actually the whole point of talking about birth plans and birth preferences is to actually get it in to your head about okay so if this happened how would I react Mm -hmm. and if you've run through a scenario in your head or even lightly touched on it if it actually happens you're going to naturally feel a yeah. bit more in control because yeah. you've thought about you've it you've almost a rehearsed it in your head exactly yeah. and one of the big things you know as an antenatal kind of teacher and and, anti- and the importance of doing classes whatever they are it doesn't matter if they're gentle birth hypnobirth whatever is that it gets you in the headspace of I can do this mm-hmm. and even if things even if the plan goes out the window and you end up you know having to have an emergency se- section you can still look back and say that was a good experience mm-hmm. because you've thought about it. Definitely. You'd feel like that, Laura. I mean, you've had kind of very different experiences, um, but some of them have been more traumatic than others. But from an outsider, you think you think, mm-hmm. well, maybe they were both traumatic. But how do you, you know, with your with two of yours, how yeah. did you feel about yeah. that? Yeah, so my first um I, I had two traumatic births and two not. So my two traumatic ones were actually really different in in their trauma. So the the first one, um, he was delivered by a vacuum and I had... You must have been terrified. Well, again, I was 21 and I kind of, I, I just went into it blindly, you know, and um, I got the epidural, but it went too far and it pierced my spinal cord. And I had lots of trouble afterwards. I had to stay in the hospital without my baby. So you had what's called a dural tap, which is a, a rare mm. complication, mm. but it does happen. Yeah. So I had to go back in and get something called a blood patch where they fed blood into the tear that happened. After yeah, well, he was actually taken off me um, and the, the midwives and then he was brought home and I stayed in the hospital. So everything was really really out of my control and you know as I felt scared and vulnerable terrified you know and and as a sufferer of anxiety like that's just trigger 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 absolutely all of it you know that I wasn't looking after my baby that somebody else was and that I couldn't control what was happening to my body and and it was a really vulnerable time um 
And yeah, so then I had my second and she was born stargazing, which is face up instead of face down. So that resulted in which is a much more difficult way to deliver. Absolutely. And she I, I have a petite frame and she was eight pound six, which just made everything much harder. Um, and lovely size for her. Very difficult for mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that ended in an episiotomy and a third degree tear. Um, but which, is, which is a really tough thing. And yes, could be physically totally traumatizing. horrific, but mentally, um, I don't think I put her down for two weeks. I did skin to skin with her for two full weeks and mentally it was so healing. So although physically it was the worst trauma out of all of my births and it was horrifically painful, I was the best state I could have been mentally. You know, I was so happy. I, I, I'm sorry to my other three children, but it was the best day of my life when she was born. I just, it really healed all of my trauma from my first birth. From, yeah, from the first baby. Yeah. So you actually felt much more in control, yeah. even though things went wrong. Yes, because... You're with it, your baby. So yes, that was probably exactly. Huge. And I just held her literally for two weeks. I wouldn't let anybody else hold her. <laughs> so, the, but the definition of a traumatic birth is actually how the mother perceives the birth. It's perception, isn't yes. it? As opposed to what So happens. it doesn't matter if the doctors agree with you or the midwives or if you've even had any physical damage. It's actually how the mother perceives her birth. So for me, I perceived that birth so much better and the afterbirth so much better than my first. So even though I was stitched up, I just felt amazing. So I just think that that's really interesting. But yeah, that is really interesting. And I also think it's very important to say that like pain, pain is is perceived and it is whatever anyone says it is. And um, so is trauma. So, mm-hmm. you know, while yes, the apps thing, you know, healthy mom, healthy baby, but it's actually about the experience itself. Um, mm-hmm. And in 2019, it just isn't good enough that you end up, you know, something awful not happening. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed you're supposed to be delighted about it. You know, we need to be aiming for higher and for better for the women as medics that we care for, but also for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a couple of really great uh, kind of things that are working toward that. There's AIMS, which is the Association um, for Improvements in um, Maternity Services. And they do a huge amount of work in advocating for, you know, that it's not just about looking after people who've had traumatic experience, but making it better for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, um, and definitely. until we see, we feel that we actually deserve that and that we deserve choice, I don't think things, you know, can move along um, in the way that we would like them to. Do you yeah, agree and with I that, think, Tracy? Do you know what it's it's what you're what you're actually making me think about here is for me, um in terms of a birth plan, in terms of what I want this time around, I want to be a participant of my birth rather and than having just it done a, to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like my first birth was done to me. Um and I was, you know, unaware of why things were happening, how they were happening, how maybe my voice could have made things a little bit different. Um and we're probably gonna talk about it in a second, but but how I kind of healed from that experience was really having things explained to me. Yeah. And I think that's empowering, um, you know, rather than feeling like you are literally So can just you tell me a bit about that, Tracy? So after you had, I mean, you you didn't understand why things had happened. No, and, and I felt things like, I mean, uh, very similar to Laura's story, episiotomy, um, third degree tear, all of that. Ended up in hospital for a week, which I never expected in a million years. And that is quite scary now with another child because mm-hmm. that's just like... An eternity. Um, but for me, it was more um, emotionally. Like I remember like when they did the sutures, I said, they don't feel right. And they feel like they're not, they're not 
you know, in the right place or something. Mm. And the, she said, oh, that's normal. It's just the way it's going to feel. She said, it's, it's 1% of cases that, you know, this might happen with. Anyway, it, I was one of the 1%. I ended up back, you know, a week and a half later in A&E. The stitches had all come apart. I felt it was fit. My body had failed me. I had failed my body. And now I was failing my baby. I'm um, so sorry for you to say that because it's not your oh, no, fault it was at horrific, all. Oh, horrific. And, and I remember going into A&E with Billy in the, in the little carrier and saying, no one's going to take him from me, are so they? Vulnerable. Uh, so yeah. vulnerable. And still trying to establish breastfeeding and feeling like that was going really, really, you know, awful as well. Um, but for me, I was definitely going to have babies close together. 100%. It was like, you know, my mum had a baby every two years. There was five of us. It was like you little house in the, the prairie. Same. I was yeah. going to be the same. And this was like, I think I'm a one kid kind of girl now. I don't think I can cope with that again. And it was literally four years later on the beach on holidays that I said that to my husband. And he was like, really? Mm. And I was like, I just wonder, maybe are we just meant to have one? And it was purely because of the fear the of experience how to get him actually, here. Yeah. Um, which is why I would never judge any um, birth preference because for me, I was potentially um, missing out on something incredible in my life due to fear of the physicality of it all. And for me, it was about vocalising that. And actually, I said it on social media. A lactation consultant uh, contacted me. She put me in touch with someone in the coom who was a friend of hers. The friend put me in touch with another woman. And then I heard about birth reflections in the coom. Yeah, Had is, never which heard is, of which, it. Which is an amazing thing. It's I mean, I can't believe people don't know about it. Yeah. I never heard of that in, in my four babies. Never once heard of that, and it's such an like amazing. Like I had to scream it from the rooftops for somebody so to tell to me about it. Just to the yeah. listeners at home, and and all of the other hospitals have it as well. You have an absolute um, right to basically come back and basically be brought through what happened, why it happened, when it happened, and for that to be explained to you, but also to get some healing out of that. Mm. When you under, I think when you understand why decisions are made. Yeah. You, it's less traumatizing because you think, okay, I can understand that, as yep. opposed to, as you said, Tracy, for things just to happen yes. to you. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think it's really important for people at home to understand that you absolutely should talk about this, ask about it. But all, you know, medics and midwives, they're not the enemy. They want the exact same thing. They don't want, they want to offer the highest quality of service to the people in their care. Definitely. They're dev- like, it's devastating when things go wrong devastating the amount of times that you have to hide your tears or run into the bathroom when things go wrong you know it's you know and it's very important I think to say that the, you know people are not just trying to hurt other people everyone yeah. is working for the same goal but I think for us to get it on the same page it's about talking about it yes. yeah and I think I saw the doctor as the villain you know the doctor yeah. who did the episiotomy yeah. to me you know like when, when who not, did it to me they were trying to do the Completely. best job in the circumstances that they exactly. found themselves and in. after the birth reflections after having everything explained to me A I couldn't believe how many things I had wrong even like sequentially Mm, I had a completely different vision in my head of how things happened I was like oh I didn't realise like that the first time you didn't like the look of Billy's heart rate was actually the minute I arrived but you know what I apart from the interventions which I wanted to sort of make peace with what I got from it which I didn't expect at all was a couple of compliments and it was the most amazing feeling like the the midwife she said to me do you know um you know you didn't have any oxytocin and you know your body went into labour spontaneously and I said did I not have any oxytocin? And she said, no. She said, um, the drip was just because you got the epidural. But she said, all of your contractions, they happen naturally. you didn't know about that no. until, yeah. And she said, within two hours, you went from two centimetres to ten. She said,
said, and I remember actually like crying even saying it. She said, um, your body's really good at, at birth. Like mm. it knows what mm. to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it might just be again. Laura, you agree with that as well. It's the language that's used around that. You know, when you talk about, when we talk about breath preference, I think it's really important to say it's to do that, to kind of compliment each other and go whatever way you, like you said earlier, Laura, whatever mm. way you birth your baby, you're still amazing. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and even like I was going to say, when I got my episiotomy, um, the, the midwife, it was going to be an emergency C-section because Noah actually had gotten stuck. Her shoulders were stuck and they couldn't get her out. And and the midwife said to to her, you know, manager or supervisor, just give me like two more minutes. And she actually got her out. So although it was an episiotomy, although it was a 3D or th- third degree tear, she was here safely, you know, and she I didn't have a section and I, I was able to birth her and she was safe. She was healthy and I was so happy. And you so, had done that. Yes. You did that. So but it's the way that you think about it. Like so for me, I was delighted with that, you know, and, and because I'm thinking about it positively, you know, so I think it's really how you see it as well. So if you focus on the positives and stop thinking that X, Y or Z makes you less of a mum or that you haven't given birth properly, you know, because that's all nonsense. It is. And I think we're all warrior queens. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Laura and Tracy, thank you so much for being so open and honest in this episode. I could listen to the pair of you literally forever. You're <laughs> both amazing. And what lucky babas um, that you have. And I can't wait to meet the next one. Thank you so much at home for listening. Please do like and subscribe to our podcast. Lastly, don't forget to leave a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. See you next time. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Loopy Lou, Lidl's award-winning baby range. 